Hi, I'm Barbara Seelig Brown. Welcome to Stress-Free Cooking. What I want you to do is put on your bunny slippers, pour a glass of wine, and cook a great meal with me. One of the most important things that we need to do are talk about two terrific cheeses from the Veneto, Piave and Asiago. So I have two experts with me. Welcome, Nizio. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nizio Paganin, for telling me about Asiago because uh, Nizio is actually from Asiago, so that makes this very special. Uh, in the mountain, we have only uh, grass in the summertime and springtime, and the only thing uh, we can do there in agriculture is uh, milk, cows and milk. And for a long, long time, uh, we started uh, and we do uh, uh, this kind of cheese uh, in two different ways, the aged Asiago and the fresh Asiago. They are completely different. They are completely different. One is softer and has a few more eyes, yes? Yeah, the fresh one is the most famous, the most popular in Italy, and uh, it's uh, uh, made uh, by whole milk, whole milk, and uh, the weight is about uh, 30 pounds per wheel. Per wheel, and, about 30 pounds. Yes. Wow, that's a big wheel. That's a big wheel. Eh? This is a quarter. This is a quarter. Eh? So this is one quarter, so that would make this at about seven a and a half one. pounds. Yes. yes, and it has about uh, 30 days. It's a fresh one. Mm -hmm. It's a very easy. Uh, we may use in many, many ways, uh, such in the, on the pizza, on sandwiches, uh, by itself. Uh, and yes. uh, it's very sweet and, and uh, uh, an easy taste. It's a good table cheese. Absolutely. Well, the, the fresh one is creamier, and this yeah. one is harder sure. because it's aged, Stravecchio. You are an expert. I, I love my Asiago. <laughs> So thank you so much. Thank I'm you. glad that we got to talk about Asiago. Thank you very much. And my other guest is Chiara. And I need you to pronounce your name for me, Chiara. Brandalice. Oh, that's so beautiful. And Chiara is our Piave expert. So Chiara, now let's hear a little bit about Piave. And why this cheese is so beautiful, so particular, is because of the milk. The milk we collect uh, to produce this DOP cheese, PDO, so protected denomination of the So it region. has to meet the requirements of the area. Sure. It means that we can collect the milk only in a specific area. And this area is called Belluno area. It's a county, a very tiny one, in the mountainous part of the Dolomites. So the milk is very rich in protein, vitamin, and so this is the secret, yes. the real secret of this cheese. Well, I've been a fan of Piave for many years, and I love it as a table cheese. I also do like to grate it on some of my finished dishes, and I like to make a pasta dish representative of the North when I'm using the Piave as a grating cheese. I'd like to thank my guests very much for joining me today, and also I hope you'll join me back in my kitchen. Thanks for joining me back in my kitchen. And here I have my good friend, Lou DiPaolo. Welcome, Lou. Barbara, it's great to be here. Lou is one of the country's foremost cheese authorities. He has a wonderful shop in Little Italy, New York, called DiPaolo Fine Foods at the corner of Mott and Grand. 
And Lou, everywhere I go, I hear people talking about you and all of your expertise in the area of cheese. Well, Barbara, I made it my life's work to represent the 20 regions of Italy through the foods, and especially the cheeses of Italy. You know, we go back over 100 years in New York City's Little Italy, and we're proud to say that we truly are a true representation of Italy through the food. And you are, because if you've seen my show in past seasons, you know that I've visited Lou's store, and it really is the treasure trove of wonderful Italian specialty products from cheese to salumi, prosciutto, um, pastas, condimenti. I mean, it's a great, great fun place to visit. We have some special cheeses here. They are the mountain cheeses from the Veneto. From the Veneto. You know, I mentioned before, Italy is comprised of 20 regions. The Veneto is in the northeastern part of Italy. It's surrounded by these most beautiful, beautiful mountains. The Dolomite Mountains come to mind right away. And uh, it's one of the most beautiful parts. That very lush green mountain valleys and, and, and plains are are so indicative of good cow's milk and even goat's milk too. They yes. have some wonderful goat's milk up there as well. But today I brought three cheeses from the Veneto and all cow's milk, historic cheeses. The Grana Padano, I know you've spoken about Grana Padano before. Italy's favorite table cheese, it's right? Table cheese, it's also good for grating and it's good for uh, appetizers, aperitif. But let me just show you something about this particular Grana Padano. Uh, of course, you know it's got to have the logo all yes. around it to be authentic Grana Padano. But if you look, look at that beautiful grainy texture. I know, it's gorgeous. Grana, grainy. Grainy. It has a couple of meanings why it's called Grana, but one of them is because it's a grainy cheese. And if you look close, you see little white specks in it. That's the separation of fat and protein. We call it tyrosine. It's protein development, little crystals. People often say it's salt. It's not. It's not salt. It's, it's protein, and that's what you want to see in a good. And it gives piece. a nice crunch. Right, and and it's wonderful as an appetizer, yes. as an aperitif, before even going to your uh, antipasti, you'd have it with a bottle of, uh, say, prosecco, which is also from the Veneto. One of my favorite wines. Sparkling, a sparkling wine. So we often like to serve Grana Padano in its characteristic crunchy quality. Rather than slice it, So we take something with a point, right. this cheese and spade that I got that's right. in and Italy. You, and you'd want to break it up. Go ahead, mm -hmm. Barbara, you do that. Okay. Just put it in and bend it forward. Okay, I can and do that. you see that. those beautiful pieces that come off? They look almost like you're, you're cracking a piece of marble. That's true. That, that really is true. Um, beautiful. And you'd want to have it served oh, so like big. this so you could get the full characteristic. This cheese will open up in your mouth with excitement. And I have from the crystals. served this to many of my friends who are always so surprised at how delicious it is. And then they tell me it becomes one of their favorites. Oh, Grana Padano is often, mm -hmm. it's the, Italy's number one selling cheese. It's got to be the favorite of many people. Right, right. Many people. So. And, uh, now this one's extra special, yes? Well, it's what we call a reserva, which means that it's aged minimum of 20 months. Grana Padano, you can get it at three different ages. You can get it aged from 12 months, which is a softer textured cheese, very good for shaving, melting, if you'd mm -hmm. like. Or you could get it for 16 to 18 months, which is really the traditional age that they age Grana Padano. So the average or traditional is and 16 to 18. 18 months. And then when you get a special wheel, the right size, the right texture, and it's, it's selected wheels that they can age for a minimum of 20 months up to 30. 
usually 20 to 24 months. And that's this the really is, special Reserva. Right. Just like wine, where they hold right. wine back a little that's bit, right. certain bottles of wine. Now, something else that I'd like you to explain, and I've explained this before, but yes. I know you're going to do a more eloquent job of this. Right. Tell me about the rind. People think it's wax, but it's not wax. No, this, this cheese is a natural rind. Natural rind meaning they don't add anything to it. What, after the cheese is made, it's submerged in a uh, solution of salt water. Mm -hmm. the, uh, so it's kept there for a couple of weeks, then it's taken out and allowed to dry. Mm -hmm. and the rind develops and it's constantly monitored, so they, they, they'll clean the rind on a period of every week to 10 days, constantly wiping it down. And you could see the brand on it. Mm -hmm. Okay, they'll keep rubbing it, but the brand will remain, okay, and then when you're using your cheese and you have this rind, some people want to buy only the rind. I love the rind. And, I and, they, and, them. I, and I tell them, get the heart of the cheese as well. No, no, I just want the rind. And why do they want the rind? It's the best compliment to your brodo, your yes. soup. You put it you in take your broth. It right in your soup. Yes. I always recommend, since it's two years of aging in this particular cheese, to take a knife and scrape it a little bit just to clean it. Mm -hmm. Or you could even wash it a little bit just to get the the um, any little things anything left. that's dust. been you know dust that's been accumulated right. over a period of two years. But I when I have an excess of these because I use so much of this cheese, I put them in my freezer, and then when I'm making when a soup ready? or a sauce or a stew, I pull them out of my that's freezer, right. and I and the treat I think is when I serve the soup and I put a piece of the softened cooked rind in right. the soup, and everybody gets to have have that extra special treat. The the rind, it will, it will stay better in the freezer because it will deteriorate just mm -hmm. under normal refrigeration. So if you're going to keep it for an extended period of time, it's, it not a bad it's not a bad idea. You know what, before we go on to the next cheese, could you talk to us about caring for the cheeses? Because if you buy a large piece of cheese for a party and you don't use it all, and now you're going to have it for a little while, how would you well, store that? Storing, storing cheese, first of all, these type of cheeses are living, all right? There's different categories of cheese. A processed cheese is something that's uh, taken, a cheese that's made and then melted down and they might add some something else to it to keep the longevity of life. But in the case of a living cheese, it's constantly going to develop and age. And sometimes, at certain temperatures, mold starts mm -hmm. to form. This is actually natural for a living a cheese, cheese mm -hmm. for mold to form. We don't want the mold to form because that's going to deteriorate the flavor. Mm -hmm. Is it harmful? Well, it depends on what kind of mold it is. If it's normal cheese mold, you could cut it right off and, you're not, and you don't want to give it right. a chance to grow because not only does it grow out this way, it grows it's down inside. and then it starts to make the cheese taste So fun. then you have to really remove a lot of cheese right. to get rid of the mold. So the first method is you should refrigerate a cut piece of cheese. Mm -hmm. Keep the temperature as cold as possible. I, I'm not an advocate of freezing it, however, you keep it as cold as possible and wrapped to stop the oxidation process. Okay. Now, this cheese now, oxygen, is actually formed on this cheese right now and it's starting to dry and starting to form the crust mm -hmm. on the outside. This, you want to stop from happening. So what do you do? You wrap it in a good wrapped paper. Either you could use wax paper and then aluminum foil on top of that. How about parchment paper? Parchment paper, but then aluminum foil over on the top. parchment paper. Okay. Some people use a plastic wrap. A plastic wrap will be the best to keep it from oxidizing. However, you must change that plastic wrap frequently because that is going to uh, give the cheese a stale taste. 
if you have it too long. And I always recommend that every time you take the cheese out of the refrigerator, remove that wrapping. And give and, it a new wrap. And give it a new wrapping, because you don't know that, you don't see it, but little droplets of moisture form underneath the, yes. the surface of the paper, from cold to warm, it's gonna form condensation. Right. And then you don't wanna put add that to the cheese. If you no. have a piece of cheese in the fridge that you haven't used in a couple of days, you should take it out and rewrap it anyway. Yes, I, I, the rule of thumb for me is if you don't use a piece of cheese for a week, Take it out, put a fresh piece of paper around okay. it. Okay. If you use bad. it seven days in a week, put seven different wraps, wraps around okay. it. Okay, great. Thank you. So what else do we have here? Okay, the next cheese, another aged cheese that I brought, is called Piave Vecchio. Now, Piave, Piave is the name of this most beautiful river that st stems from the Dolomite Mountains and funnels down into, into um, the Veneto. And the, and the Piave River, has a very big significance. It was the turning point in many cases of World War I where they actually pushed back the Austrians, the Italians pushed back the Austrians. So it's a very significant river. This cheese is made right at the heart of the Dol of, in the Dolomites by the Piave River. So they give the honor of this cheese the name Piave, Piave. And this the river. is a wonderful cheese. I it's love very this. special. And you know what makes this cheese very special? What makes it so special is the milk. These are, this is milk from all free grazing mountain cows. I mean, these cows live in the mountains. There's a, a couple of hundred farmers that give the milk to this place that makes it, uh, uh, this Piave cheese. And the average farm is maybe 12 to 15 cows. A large farm might have 50 cows. But they, the milk is so wonderfully rich in flavor. Because it's mountain, in such a lush area. Mountain flowers and herbs. And when you taste this cheese, Barbara, you have to taste this cheese right now. Oh, I You're can't You're going wait. to taste, in my opinion, hazelnuts. The the aroma of, of, of wonderful, smell that mm. aroma. Oh my wonderful. God, this is so fresh. Yes, and but it's aged. And this one is it happens to be aged 18 months. Mm. But you can taste the freshness from the, the freshness grasses. from the grasses, right, mm -hmm. free grazing. Mm, Yave is, that's wonderful. Is, is a spectacular, spectacular cheese. This cheese, too, I like to break off. Now, you know, it comes four different ages, Piave. You Does have, it really? Yes. You can have fresco, which is aged only 30, 30, 40 days. Then you can have menzano. Menzano is aged for about up to six months. Vecchio, which is aged eight to 12. And, and vecchio means old. Old, that's right. And Stravecchio, which Very this, old. this one is actually a Stravecchio. <laughs> oh, okay. And that one is aged 18 months to two this years. This is amazing. Okay, so now we have two aged cheeses, one very grainy, one very rich, so creamy, and, and full of mountain flavors. We're thinking about textures now when we're right. making That's our right. cheese plate. I always like textures, different textures. And then finally, another historic cheese. This is called Asiago. Fresato or Asiago Fresco. Asiago is a, a area in the uh, northern Veneto, right on the border of Trentino mm -hmm. and Veneto, and it's called the Piano di Asiago, the Asiago Plateau, where they also have free grazing mountain cows. And this is the fresh Asiago, aged only 20 to 30 days. Oh. You can get one called Asiago di Alevo, which is aged anywhere from three months to two years. But we already had two aged cheeses here. One a little bit So we're creamier. going with the fresher. That's right. And this, this is even creamier yet. Yes. 
because it's younger. Right, and right? I use a different knife with this one here. And this, I like to cut. So now we're not chipping this away. No, this one, this one here you would want to cut in, in, in pieces such as this here. And that's soft. I can soft, tell just creamy. by the way you're cutting you it. Taste piece. Yeah. I did a lot of work with Asiago. I made quite a few recipes with this for uh, their this uh, is, this brochure. Is, this is a fantastic cheese to mm. cook with. This is amazing. Fantastic. Well, I, one of my favorite uh, cooking with Asiago is making what we call a fuso. And what is a fuso? Fuso in this area is like a fondue. Mm -hmm. They take the cheese, they add it in the skillet with some milk, and slowly on a low heat, stir it. Stir it until the cheese fuses together with the milk. And so it's and, a liquidy. Right, it's liquidy. Now, it depends how liquid you want it. The more milk you put, the more liquid, the less right. milk, the more uh, cheesy. So it's just cheese and milk. That's it. And then you take it and you pour it over polenta, Ooh. or you pour it over a bed of boiled potatoes. Oh, that's And then wonderful. serve it. It's unbelievable. I, unbelievable. I think it sounds great putting it over polenta as great. well. Now, we have three cheeses. So but we have three textures, three hardnesses. Right. They're all mountain cheeses. Now, one more thing we have to add to this plate. Mm. I see this beautiful plate here is a, a plate with a lot of fruits on it, but we're going to serve it with a different kind of fruit. Oh, we're nice. Gonna, we're going to serve it with, with a fruit called, a fruited mustard called mostarda. Mostarda. And this is very famous in the area of the Veneto and parts of, um, of Lombardia in the Mantova area. Mostarda is nothing but a spicy and sweet so mustard like, like fruit. Agridolce. Uh, Agridolce. Sour? Well, it's not sour, it's spicy. Okay. Because it actually has must, mustard seed in there. And, oh, okay. And, and maybe a little bit of horseradish too, oh, you know? Wow, what look it depends at that. on. So these are different fruits. So you can have it in chunks, fruited pieces like this. Here's a peach, there's an apricot, some cherries. This one is a fig. So right. would you serve that with one of these cheeses in particular? Uh, with Actually, with all these cheeses it goes. Okay. Or this is in solid pieces of fruit, or you could have what we call a uh, minced amount of mustarda. You see here? Oh, that's a, oh, yeah, so it's this a, is a mustarda it's that's... A, it's, it's, it's a, what we call a sauce. Mm. It's a mustarda sauce, and this happens to be the fig. The fig. So okay. this would be the spicy, as sweet and spicy as right. well. Right, and if you want to serve it in, in yeah, if you want to serve it in one piece, and let people slice it off and have it together. That's one texture, and you have also the texture of it being a sauce. And then finally, if you want to serve cheese with something sweet. So maybe we, after dinner. After dinner, sometimes we serve it with some uh, amarena cherries, black These cherries. These are amazing. And this is your, your cheese platter from the Veneto, mm, traditional. Beautiful. Okay. That is gorgeous. I'm just going to try the grana with the fig mustarda. Oh. Right. oh my God, that's so it's, wonderful. It's so simple mm. and so special. Absolutely delicious. Thank you, Lou. Now, because we're a cooking show, okay. maybe we're gonna do a little cooking. And what I like to do is I like to make what I refer to as Italian macaroni and cheese. Everyone loves macaroni and cheese. Since I love my Italian cheeses so much, I what I do is I take my favorite cheeses, I put them in my food processor and shred them and then I make macaroni and cheese using those. So let's just do a little, really quick, come on over here with okay. me. Okay. Okay. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna do basic macaroni and cheese. We're gonna start with a little bit of butter. 
and I'm going to melt the butter. And we're going to make a roux, classic roux with butter and flour. So when we start the macaroni and cheese, we want to make a roux. So we have melted butter, unsalted butter. I'm going to add a little bit of flour. And then this will make the thickener for the macaroni and cheese. Okay. So a little bit of flour. And you, it's important to cook the flour for a couple of minutes. So oftentimes, when I have leftover cheeses, I put them in the food processor and I shred them and then I freeze them. And I just call it my Italian cheese blend. And when I need a little bit of cheese for something, I just reach into the freezer and grab a little bit of that. And since I always buy my cheese from you, I know it's always good cheese, so I don't worry. <laughs> so I, right. I often recommend if, it's a, if they grade the cheese and keep it for a long period of time, to keep it in the keep freezer. Keep it in the freezer. When you take it out of the freezer, though, however, either use it all or don't put it back. Right, so just Try take to, enough out that you're going to use. You're going to use for the day. Yep. Right. And then I'm going to add some low-fat milk to this. Okay. And actually, I'm going to let you take this. All right. And if you would just pour a little milk in there for me as I'm whisking. Okay. I'll get you involved. All right. Okay. Keep going. Okay. And I want to keep whisking constantly. Good. That's good. I want to keep whisking constantly while Lou is pouring the milk so that I don't get any lumps in my cheese right. sauce. Okay. So we're going to cook this a couple of minutes. It's going to, when it starts to thicken up, then I'll decide if I need any more milk. So Lou, our sauce is a great consistency here. You want it to coat the back of a spoon, which this does, right. okay? So we're gonna add some of those beautiful cheeses, the Piave, the Asiago, and the Grana. And we are going to create our Italian macaroni and cheese. So I'm gonna make sure that this is nice and smooth. And I put these cheeses in the food processor with the shredding disc so that they have, um, they're well shredded, but they're, they're not fine. They're not real grainy. Not, not, okay. okay. It's all the same texture. It's all, all the same texture. Good point. Okay. So I'll add the rest of this cheese. And my cheeses have some salt in them. So I don't necessarily need to add any salt to this until I taste it because I want to see just how much salt my cheeses had. And then we're just going to toss this with some cooked pasta. And I have a mezze rigatoni that I've cooked already. So the beauty of this is you can even do this with leftover unsauced pasta, which I love cooking double of things and then reusing them again. Let me taste this and see. Look at that. I don't think it needs any salt. Okay. Would you sure. pour? Absolutely. <laughs> And we're just going to mix this in. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. And you want to use okay. a high quality pasta also. You know, when I see people in grocery stores and they pick up packages of things without looking at them, they don't pay attention to what they're picking up. It makes me crazy. Okay, so we're going to mix this well. And then we're going to turn this into a baking dish. And I love this dish. It's nice and sunny, like you see in Italy. And we're going to puff. We're going to turn this into that baking dish. OK, just the right amount. OK, now we could enjoy this now. But even better, I like to bake this in the oven about 350 for about 30 minutes and get that nice cheesy crust on top. Very nice. 
Lou, I can't thank you enough for being my guest on Stress-Free Cooking yet again. It's always a great show when you're on. Well, thank you. It's a great pleasure for me to be here always with you, Barbara. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for joining Lou and I today on Stress-Free Cooking. I hope to see you again soon.